Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Girlish. My name is Gage, and I'm here with my co-host, Olivia. Hey, everyone. It's me. So today, we are coming to report on a groundbreaking and monumental video (laughs) that was released this week in the trans community. I feel like everyone's talking about it. And regardless of what side you lean on, this is like a video that is going to be brought up. So... The video that I'm talking about is the debate between conservative trans people and liberal trans people that was posted by Jubilee. And if you know anything about Jubilee, you know that they really get in there and they ask the tough questions. And sometimes the conversations are a little hard to get through, I guess. Like you have to take a break and mentally prepare yourself before you watch these videos. I, we always talk about how we can never finish the video or we have to at least take breaks because of how just frustrating it can be to watch like a lot of these debates because, you know, obviously the issues that they present are very polarizing. Um, And this one was definitely especially as hard because it was obviously members within our community sort of um, debating on these like really important issues that you hear constantly, especially within the news cycle and everything. So this was definitely an interesting watch. Um, and yeah, we as soon as we watched it, we were like, we have to talk about it. Like, even though we, ha- we haven't <laughs> filmed a video in like, or a podcast in like three years, like we just have to like come together and just really talk about it because it is a very interesting video. There's a lot of things I feel like I have to say um, in regards to it. And evidently it was like super popular. Everyone was like really waiting for this uh, episode to come out. Um, I've heard like a lot of talks about it within the community. So I was really anticipating it. I knew it was coming because I'm such a huge uh, fan of Sasha. And, um, you know, I heard the rattles because Blair White was also involved. So, yeah, definitely was an interesting watch. Yeah, I heard about it before it was posted, too, because I follow and I'm familiar with a lot of the people that are in the discussion. Um, So I don't know. I was nervous honestly, because I love that we're able to have these conversations, obviously, and I think they need to be had. But some of the people that they chose, I was like, this could, I I don't know what direction this is going to go in, because some of these people have like a history of just turning debates or conversations into non-productive conversations. Like it's essentially just an argument at that point. So I was kind of nervous to watch it, but I did. So basically, if you don't know what a Jubilee video is, um, I think this is called like middle ground. Yeah. The specific type of video where they have like a few people from one viewpoint versus another. They ask a question. If you agree, you step forward. If you don't agree, you keep standing. And then they basically just go over and explain their answers. So I think what we wanted to do was just discuss mostly the questions that they asked and the types of conversations that they got into. So yeah, did you have like any thoughts before you pressed play or like what was going on in your head? Because I was like mentally preparing myself. Yeah. So I, I expect these Jubilee videos to be filled with people who are just unfamiliar with the debate stage, like what it means to actually conduct a, an effective like form of debate. And when it comes to, 
you know, your own identity, your own experience. And if you feel like you're having to challenge that um, with someone that doesn't necessarily believe in, I guess, your existence um, or just, you know, doesn't see at the same level that you see at, I'm already aware of how intense that can feel and how emotions can really rise. So I was really anticipating a very annoying debate to watch because I knew it would just going to be and it ended up being essentially like a screaming wretch uh, at certain points. And it is really unfortunate because um, I do think healthy, productive conversations are important. Um, but I also don't think everyone's cut out for debating. And um, and definitely, I think this shows. Um, yeah, so I, I can understand, I can empathize with like feeling the need to really defend yourself and getting really flustered in the moment. I don't think I'd be a good debater. I, I can't see myself really articulating my feelings in the moment um but or like even debunking maybe false claims made so yeah just going into this I really expected for there to be um a lot of hostility yeah I agree so with that being said I guess we can get started with the first question (laughs) so I'm going to share the question and then I also want to share just what their answers were so The first question was that it is a safety concern for trans women to share a female restroom. And for this specific question, all four conservatives stepped forward. None of the liberals stepped forward. So I guess first we can answer the question ourselves and then we can talk about the conversation that we had. So I'm interested to see if like we differ in any of these questions. And I'm and I'm sure that like in maybe certain scenarios we can sort of see like middle middle grounds on a lot of these top conversations, but in general I don't see um, I don't I don't personally see that there being a safety concern. I know that um, within the context of of this interview, Blair White described like this anecdotal situation that she saw like on Twitter of someone's like erect like penis or something dressed up like as a woman. Um, and that was like her account. I don't know how, how this person identifies or anything like that. But um, I feel like I'm going to say this a lot throughout this whole process, but I feel like a lot that we're going to see within the, the debate, especially within the conservatives, is a lot of anecdotes of things that like probably or maybe happened. Like it's not solidified if it if it's real or not. And these are a lot of like maybe this thing happened. And so they're going to use that sort of to launch like this narrative because it's harder to debunk whether something did or didn't happen. Um, so I think that Blurred White does a great job at that. Personally, I don't see it as an issue. I think if this, um, yeah, I don't, I don't really see it as a concern. If someone was going to go into a women's restroom, if a man was going to go into a women's restroom, a cisgender man, it was going to harm a, a, a woman. They wouldn't pose or use a form of gender, I, I, I believe, as a way to, to like go around. It's already breaking the law, obviously, to assault someone. So I, I just think it's a weird roundabout way to, to say that trans people are like malicious. I don't know. It's, to me, the conversation is very, I think they're, I think it's overdoing it. I don't know. How do you feel? <laughs> I agree that a lot of their points are anecdotal, but I also don't think it's fair to blame trans people for a random handful of cis men who decide to dress up or cross-dress in order to gain access to a bathroom like that's not my fault 
like I didn't do that. That's not actually a trans person. So to use that as a way to kind of paint the picture that it's dangerous for us to go into the bathroom, I don't think is really, really fair because at bottom line, that's not a trans person. So I don't really understand that argument. And that is something that they brought up. And I thought it was interesting that Blair was coming from the perspective of trying to protect cis women. Like what do cis women feel most comfortable with? Like we should do what, what makes them feel comfortable because that's their bathroom and we're coming in there. So if they think it's okay, then it's okay. But if they have a problem, then we should listen to them. And I don't really agree with that because first you can't, she can't speak on behalf of all cis women. And I feel like most cis women don't really care what bathroom trans people are using. So to kind of like try and say like, she's on their side and she's defending them is a little bit misleading, but I will say there was a point in the conversation where they were talking about discretion of the trans person. And for me, like when I was really early on in my transition, I didn't feel comfortable going in the women's restroom. And that's something they were, they were, they were talking about. It's like, if you feel like your presence in there would be kind of uncomforting to to yourself or maybe others like maybe don't go. And I did feel like that at the very beginning of my transition, but at the same time, like we're all just trying to pee. So that was like the only thing I kind of understood is that you kind of have to take a look at your own self and the progress that you've made in your transition if you chose to take hormones or change things about your appearance and think about your own safety like should I be going in here at this point in my transition is it safe for me and that I kind of resonated with but I also don't think you can use that as a reason to say that other people are going to be uncomfortable by you because I mean it's a double-edged sword if you tell someone to go into the men's restroom as a trans woman that I feel like opens up more avenues for violence. So ultimately I don't think it's a problem. Yeah. Um, I agree with you. I think that, um, yeah, I think obviously there's, there's a lot of instances too, where I think it can be hard to really see your self image. Just like, when am I passable enough? So, um, I really like that you kind of brought up that Blair sort of defending a lot of like cis women and their experience and being worrisome for them. But at the same time, trans people have to use the restroom. It is a, a basic like human right, the ability to just like be able to use what your body like function does. And so to to be able to put yourself in a dangerous situation because of the comfort of other people, I can see that being like really hard. And obviously we're just, you know, um, trans people aren't the people doing these awful attacks. If they're even happening at all, um, and I don't know, like, I just, I, I maybe, yeah, I don't, I just, I, I think that, you know, this is like a conversation that um, has put a lot of trans people in harm, and, it, and it's gonna put a lot of trans people in harm. In Florida, it's illegal for um, me to use a public or a, a federal, like a state building. Um, so that's, um, that can look like a college, university, a state, a state building. Um, literally, if, if I were driving back to my parents' house, it's like a four-hour drive, and I had to pee and we were stopped at a rest stop, I wouldn't be able to use the restroom at a rest stop. If um, I were clocked, then I could, I think, face up to like a year in jail. So like these conversations 
it's like a, a very fine line is if you start to see trans people in a way that is capable of this harm, then it's, um, then it leads into things like laws like this that are very, very harmful to the community and, um, very scary of what is happening. So yeah, I think, I think we're pretty much in agreement on that. Yeah. So if we were on the panel, we would have remain standing (laughs) we would have slayed see no i get like fumbled in my like my thoughts i think for me my mouth moves a little faster than like my head and i think that's sort of a lot of times what happens to a lot of these um people debating is that they definitely get heated and they don't really think about what they're gonna say and i'm guilty of that and i'll probably stumble here when we're talking about this stuff because it's very like nuanced and a lot of things require a lot of research and Sometimes you want to talk from your heart and what you feel, but then if someone's trying to combat it with like their version of facts, then it's going to be difficult to like not get flustered in that. Yeah. And there's actually two things that I want to discuss before we actually get into the more questions about the actual people on the panel. So like first, I I don't really agree with Blair's positions on literally anything but I also think that she has obviously a right to think that way however my biggest issue with her and it's seen throughout this entire debate is that it's almost impossible for her to say something that without sounding condescending or like she's trying to start an argument like I think a lot of the other conservatives that are on the panel were able to articulate their thoughts and their feelings without being condescending or attacking the other person. But a lot of Blair's points had like insults into them directed at a certain person. And she went back and forth with Blossom multiple times, who was on the liberal side. And that's just like the biggest thing for me that makes me not like Blair. It's that, yes, you can have different opinions. That's perfectly fine. But have like a decent conversation with someone. Like you don't have to attack someone. There's a point where she basically tells one of the other people on the panel that they shouldn't be there because they're, they identify as non-binary. Like she literally said, you should not be here. And like, what, what is the point of that? Yeah, it was, I remember seeing Blair, I think tweet or something after the interview saying something about like, you guys, like this was like the worst interview. Like it was awful. You're going to see me. And like, I don't know, but um, it to me, it seems like she set herself up for those situations. And maybe that's her strategy is like to poke the bear and then to like get that reaction so then she can be like the victim. And um, yeah, that is something that like really kind of frustrated me seeing just the way that she just disregarded these people's feelings. Because regardless of if you disagree with who they are or not, at least be respectful to some level. And um, her just like blatantly being super disrespectful a lot of times. I almost I was also kind of irritated with Jubilee for not shutting it down quicker because I think you know having you know people from different walks of life um, is part of your show. You're monetizing off of them. Like you have a right. Like they have a right for their safety, and I think it's important for Jubilee to have stepped in maybe more times than they did. But um, yeah, I was very um, frustrated at the fact that Blair did that a lot. But I, I, yeah. Yeah. And I also just want to say, so <laughs> a lot of the time it really did become like a debate between Blair and Blossom. And I do like Blossom. I really do. 
I love everything that she does. But in this, you said earlier that sometimes you don't think certain people are meant for debating. And I don't think that I think that she's one of those people, basically. I think I agree. She I agreed with a lot of what she said, but also at the same time, like I was saying about Blair, you have to be able to talk to someone in a certain way without being emotionally charged because that is not going to help the conversation progress in any way. And there was a point in the video that really bothered me. It's when they were talking about something, they were having an argument, basically everyone was yelling over each other. And she said, like, don't interrupt a black trans woman while she's speaking. And we all know that black trans women are one of the most marginalized communities ever and they experience a lot of violence but I really don't like how she used that as a way to make space for herself in a debate because everyone's talking over each other the conversation isn't even regarding race so I think to bring that up and say like oh like don't interrupt me because I'm a black trans woman and I'm talking is I don't know what that did for the conversation because everyone was interrupting each other and the like that bothered me that she was using that as kind of a way to make way in the conversation. Yeah. I think her weaponizing that really um, is, was not the move. I disagree like with, with how that came off. And like, I understand that a lot of times black trans women, maybe they don't get the the recognition or the conversation um, that they need to have. Maybe um, they are overspoken or overheard by other people, part of the community. And they are the most marginalized identity and especially in America. Um, But yeah, I think to weaponize it in this like case was just one. I think it was really cringy. I was just like, uh, like why would you say that? But two, I just think that like it weaponized something that's like super important and like genuinely a super valid like concern and just use it in like this way. So like nonchalant was like, yeah, it just kind of like it rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah. So as you can see, like both sides, there are points on both sides that pissed us off. And I think that is kind of the importance of the video is that even though I on paper side with all of these people and we have the same views, the way that they go about discussing them or maybe different nuances in their views are different than mine. And I think that's important because we've already said multiple times that a lot of people seem to think that all trans people think the same and that we share the same brain, but that's clearly not the case. So Yeah, I guess moving on to the next question was, I support the transgender military ban. And again, for this one, all of the conservatives step forward. And yeah, so for this one, I'm not in the military. I don't like the the person there's a a trans woman on the conservative side that was in the military, and evidently knows about the military ban. I, I would love to do more research on like genuinely what it entails, but I, I don't think just because you are trans, you shouldn't be allowed to be in the military. I think that's obviously very harmful to, to, to say, but um, I don't know what that entails. I don't know what it means from what I remember when it was a big conversation, I think 2016, whenever Trump did it originally, uh, what I re- recall was that, oh, there was something that happened in this debate that I just remembered. But what I recall was that um, um, they would no longer pay for your treatment 
as a trans person to get like surgeries and stuff. It would no longer be included in like the 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 overall um, medical care that you get. So that was one thing. But something that pissed me off that she said, the the I don't know her name, um, which I probably should. She was the one uh, veteran that was a part. Sarah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, Sarah mentioned like you are, you can be trans in the military. Like once you're like off, like, or once you're out of uniform, you can like present however you want to present. And it's like, that's, then that's not being you in the military. Like you're, you have to, it reminded me so much of, I just read Chelsea Manning's memoir who she had to go through don't ask, don't tell when that was a thing. And how she wasn't able to like really be herself. She had to lie about the partner she was seeing, saying that she had at the time she had a um, a girlfriend, and like even though whenever she was not at the military, like not like actively serving, was like back home, she was um, you know at the time identifying as gay, um, and would go out and have like you know gay relationships, but like could never talk about that, and it like really really ate away at her. And so to me, it's still seeming like this, this sort of culture within the military, which I, I disagree with. Yeah, I am also not in the military. And for me, I don't personally, I, it doesn't affect me. So I feel it's reasonable to understand that I don't care. Like I don't ever want to be in the military. So the fact that they don't want me in there is perfectly fine with me. Like, okay. But I think what it affects the most is the people that are trans that have been in the military tens, 20, 30 years and have done so much for them. And now they are essentially just saying that they're no longer allowed to serve after dedicating so much of their time and their life and putting their life on the line for this country. And like, now you say that they're not fit to be in the military when they've already proven that they have been fit. So I think, again, there is a lot of nuance. They, did bring up the fact that there are a lot of medical conditions that will basically prevent you from being in the military, like having flat feet or anything else. And I, that's valid. I think that people, we're all different. We all go through different things. And regardless of your gender identity, you should be able to at least test or they should be able to figure out what exactly you have and how exactly that's going to affect you if you were to enlist in the military. So I think to just ban an entire group of people without further testing or without seeing to see if they would even be able to excel in that sort of environment is not really fair. Like I I understand some of the reasons why you'd want to maybe not allow someone to fight on the battlefield. I think they also mentioned like it's not safe in foreign countries for trans people. So why would you send trans people to fight? But also, if you're in a war, I don't think anyone's, like, stopping to say, are you trans? Like, no one's doing that. So while I get the sentiment, I don't think that's relevant in the context of literally going to war with another country. No one, no one gives a fuck what you are. So I, my answer would be no. I don't agree as a baseline. But I can understand, like, why some specific people shouldn't be in. But again, that's not just trans people. Certain cis people should not be in the military either. So, yeah. Something that was said 
was that, oh, like hormones changes your bone density, makes you weaker and just like not fit for war. And I'm like, so do cis women just, are they just not in the military? Like it just, it didn't make sense to me. That was one thing that they kept saying. And I was just like, but cis women literally serve in the military. Like, what are you talking about? So that was something that I, I thought was like an odd kind of thing to throw in there because obviously you can still be strong. You can still, um, you know, you can still participate in, in that. And like, yeah, I, I agree. In terms of like a trans person in this foreign country that's not accepting towards trans people, like you think they're actually going to, like someone in that country is going to harm uh, a U.S. citizen? Like, I feel like the America has such a stronghold like on like, a lot of like the countries that we're involved in that like if something were to happen to a soldier it would be a really big deal so i don't think anyone would like mess with that not that i like i'm a fan of how crazy the u.s military is but still yeah, yeah so so we agree again basically we're on the side of the truth <laughs> we kidding. are on the side of progress <laughs> <laughs> okay so the next question is it's okay for minors to get top surgery. And once again, actually this time, all of the liberals step forward, none of the conservative trans people step forward. And for this one, honestly, I probably wouldn't have stepped forward. And I think that might upset some people. I think when I think of minors, I'm thinking of like children, like people well under the age of 18 and while I think it's important to affirm children, I, I think people, don't, people do not give children enough credit for knowing who they are and how they identify early on. I think that children should be able to go on blockers. I think they should be able to progress in their transition at a young age. But for me, I don't know if minors should be able to get gender confirming surgery that early. I guess like top surgery... It's a little different than bottom surgery. It's not as serious, but at the same time, like that is a life altering surgery that you can't come back from. And I always operate under the mindset that if someone at that point in their life truly believes that this will help them, that they should get it. But I think the lines get blurry a little bit when you're dealing with minors. So that's my only thing. I'm not saying that trans kids shouldn't be allowed to transition. I just don't know how I personally feel about allowing them to get surgery at a super young age. Yeah. And I think that's pretty common. I think a lot of, whenever they like expanded, a lot of the like liberal trans people said like, okay, like obviously there's a, there's a threshold. There's like an, an age where it's like super inappropriate. And so Blair mentioned a 12 year old getting top surgery and like I tried Googling it. I'm like, has that happened? And like I just nothing I didn't come across anything. I've never heard of a 12-year-old getting top surgery. And um I think that's gonna that's like one of those talking points that are used to like weaponize the left, saying like they're trying to make kids get surgeries. But I think we can all agree that like there is that like fine line where it's like, okay, well, what's appropriate or not? And the truth is, I'm not a medical professional. I don't know what that threshold is. I don't have any business saying what that threshold is. It's sort of like where I feel like it's truly a case-by-case -case basis. Obviously, a 12-year-old is not going to, if they're 12 and they know they're trans, they're going to get on blockers and then they're not going to have to deal with getting top surgery. 
Like that's what would happen. Um, and typically if it's to the point where they're older, they have developed, um, you know, breast or whatever, and they want to remove it. Um, I feel like that would come at an age later within their teens. And then that's the conversation. If it really feels like it's something that's needed for their safety, that's of the business of like the medical professional, that's of the business of the parent and the child. But like, I, yeah, I, to me, I'm like, there's obviously like a, like a a threshold. I, I don't think 12 year olds, like, I don't think that's even happening. And I, um, you know, I've done research a lot on trying to find in terms of gender affirming care, how often is it occurring for like minors? And it's such like a statistical, like minute thing that is often weaponized when it like, it really isn't something that's occurring to the degree that everyone's stating that it's occurring. And although there are like very small, like amount of voices within the detransition community, I just don't think it's statistically relevant to, um, you know, throw a whole community under the bus saying like we're these crazy people for wanting kids to get surgeries when in actuality it's mainly about the safety of the child. Like what's going to work for them and what do their doctors believe? What does like research really show us? And, um, you know, I think with any surgery there comes regret. I think that occurs often, but um, I, yeah, I don't, I don't see top surgery happening for kids literally like under 17 and if they're like 16 and it's happening then like that's just something like I said that has to go through with the doctor and like what do they really think is best for the kid and that's truly out of my hands because I'm not the parent yeah and at the end of the day no one on this panel is a board certified doctor (laughs) right we obviously their position comes from a place of trying to protect children. And I understand that, but you, we have these practices put in place for a reason. We have this research for a reason. And if the research shows that a child is capable of getting top surgery in a very specific circumstance, like under 18, then that's due to the discretion of the doctor or a psychologist or the parent, like you said. So Obviously, there's going to be specific cases where it can be allowed and there's exceptions to that, but we don't, none of us have any authority to speak over what children should or shouldn't do, especially from the viewpoint of either medication or surgery, because we are not doctors. We don't know what the practices are and we don't have any agency on trying to say what is right and what's wrong for a particular child. So yeah, I guess we both agree again that it's okay. I mean, I think they, a lot of them, the conservatives think that trans kids shouldn't transition at all, which we don't agree with. It's just a matter of getting surgery and maybe that should wait a little bit later in life until they actually can make that decision as an adult. Yeah, that irreversible harm. And um, yeah, I think yeah, I'm in agreement a lot with that. I found it interesting the trans men discussing binding and what years of binding like really did to their body. Yeah. And I think that's obviously something to take into consideration. Like when does like harm that they're creating on themselves become too much where it needs to be addressed? Mm. And like we were saying, like that's really dependent on what their doctors believe and and you know whatever is occurring. And um, you know, I, I think there's medical malpractice oftentimes in every field. And I think when, you know, trans people are coming out more and more, although we're still like 1% of the population, which is, I heard like a statistic for people 
like surveyed of average Americans and they think like 20% of Americans are, are trans or something like that. And like, it's, we're literally just like a percentage, but regardless with the expansion of like more and more people coming out, I think it's, I think people are going to, um, there's going to be malpractice that occurs and, um, it's unfortunate, but I, it just like, it, it occurs in every field, but yeah. So moving on to the next question, um, that one is the the non-binary. This one, end of the this one got a little crazy. Yeah, this one. Yeah. <laughs> I have. You I have the first. Um, okay. I wrote down like a very like I was like I was watching it and I wrote down like a like I wanted my thoughts to be put together so I kind of wrote down what I was thinking in the moment because my my genuinely and like all honestly like my position on this has like really shifted throughout the years. I used to, for some, I used to be more like, and like, maybe, I don't know. I used to, I feel like I used to be definitely more like gatekeepy on certain things. And I think as time has progressed, I've, I've just become a lot, I don't know. I, I've allowed myself to grow and become informed and I've, I've definitely grown in like a lot of these conversations. So I'm excited to hear what you said. Um, yeah. But. <laughs> so the question was non-binary people should not be, consider or the statement was non-binary people should not be considered under the trans umbrella and as you can predict all of the conservatives step forward I I don't I wouldn't have stepped forward on this one and I think in the past I would have because I I mean I'm not non-binary so I can't speak on behalf of what they feel but to me like I can acknowledge that there can be overlap between two identities, but I also think that the experiences that you have as a trans person, a binary trans person, is different than what a non-binary person experiences. So while I think it's okay to point out that we are two different communities and we go through different things, I think that at the same time, there can also the overlap and also just in regards to the entire community I don't think anyone should really tell someone else how they feel about themselves and how they identify so even if I don't really understand the way someone identifies or I've never seen it before I'm never going to tell them to their face that they're confused or like they need to do research or whatever they identify as isn't real I don't I just think that as a, on a human level and trying to like be an empathetic person, that's not the right thing to do. So I disagree with it. I think that non-binary people can be included in trans conversations because there is that certain level of overlap. Um, I think a lot of the conservative arguments were that like, obviously you don't take harm. You don't know what it's like to take hormones. You don't know what it's like to transition or to come out to your family and have to move out or blah, blah, blah. And I get that, like, that's all very true, but that doesn't necessarily mean that all non-binary people don't have some sort of experience like that, that we can relate to. I think there's always a middle ground. <laughs> I mean, that I said that. there's like a middle ground between that. So yeah, I don't, I'm, this one is like, I'm the most in the middle. It's, I have conflicting, I, I don't know how I feel because like, I, can acknowledge that they're different, but at the same time, I don't think we're that different. Like, I still think we go through similar things. So, 
Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I said that in the beginning and I think we both feel the same way. I think we both sort of grown together. I, I think, especially with how the conversation is going against trans people and like politics and stuff, it's really easy to just like, it's really easy to, I think for me lately to be like, like, just let people live, like let people be who they want to be. Like no one is bothering you that much. And I really liked what Sasha said during this part, which is like, we live like, you know, we're on this planet for whatever, 80 years, like let people just be happy. And, and I've obviously become more and more open to this. I think before I, I was very jaded with my experience as a trans like binary woman and thinking that my experience was like really difficult and it was unfair that other people could take on this label when I like really struggled. A lot of the things that the conservatives were saying um, and I, I definitely felt that really hard um, really, you know, thinking like, oh, like how can their experience be similar to mine? And it wasn't obviously until I, I grew in my, in my, like just my views and understanding of like, oh, like we're in the same fight. Um, during the conversation, Blair said that transgender developed through queer theory in the seven, 70s and 80s or something. And prior it was transsexual. That was like the medical term for it. And um but like gender fluidity has like existed within cultures like throughout all of time. Like this isn't a new concept. So personally, I feel like, and now I'm reading something I wrote. <laughs> personally, I feel like non-binary people are part of the the trans umbrella. I would I would suggest that just because I feel like non-binary um, individuals and um, people that are in the binary trans identity is like we're all fighting the same fight. There's a like a systemic patriarchal like structure that really defines men and women into like this really aggressive chokehold of like expectations, like what they need to be. And although binary trans people may identify with one of these boxes, it doesn't negate the fact that a trans identity as a concept goes against like the societal grain of what like man and woman is. So I think non-binary as a, a concept, non-binary people, um, you know, although binary trans people and non-binary people may have different struggles, I think that fight is still the same. So I personally have grown in that where I, I don't I don't mind other people being under the same umbrella. I know that there is a difference. Like there are binary trans people and then there are non-binary trans people. And I think that's fine. And um, yeah, it's like, I, I think we're all just kind of fighting that same fight. I also think that a lot of trans people that started their transition like nine, 10 years ago when we did, I feel like a lot of us have are proud. We're proud of our transition. We're proud that, you know, we came up and we started our transition at a time where it wasn't really common to do so. It, we were at the very beginning of when the conversation started to become normalized. So the battle that we had to go through to talk to therapists or get surgeries approved by insurance or getting on hormones, gaining access to hormones, doing whatever you can to financially be able to afford them, that became a integral part of our identity as trans people is that we had to fight in order to get to where we are. And nowadays, you know, there are people that choose not to medically transition and I feel like before, like that was my viewpoint. I was like, well, I had to do all this. So 
why can you identify as trans and why can you still occupy the same spaces as me and basically not even have to try in your transition? Like, that's not fair. Or you, we're not the same. But like you said, we I feel like you grow a lot as you get older. And I've come to realize that if I think in every other aspect in life that I can't really decide for other people what they want to do or everyone's going to make their own decision, it's not fair to me to use that argument in regards to non-binary people and say like, well, you didn't do this. So, you know, we're not the same. And I think to a certain extent, it's not untrue to say that we're not the same because obviously we had different experiences, but I, I no longer have the position that like a non-binary trans person that chooses not to transition has any effect on me. Like I'm still here. I did my transition. I got my hormones. I had the surgery that I wanted and I can live my life, but that doesn't mean everyone else has to do that also. And that at the end of the day, doesn't have any effect on me being able to carry forth my own transition. So I guess that's my ultimate stance on it is that we're different, which is true. Like it's not like exclusionary to say that we have different experiences because I think anyone could be able to tell that, but I think there is overlap and to say that they can't exist in that conversation isn't fair because again, you can't tell someone how they identify. You can't tell someone how they feel and you also can't invalidate someone else's experiences. Yeah, I agree. My, my puppy is crying. So if you hear that, so we, um, she's, she's bored, but, um, yeah, she agrees. So I, she agrees. Yeah. She's, she's mourning for, for this conversation <laughs> for how crazy the, I wish I could show her to you, but for how crazy the, the, um, the debate was, but yeah, so I, this is where I stopped watching. So okay. you're going to have to inform me. I think it's the last two questions. Um, how do they go? And sort of like the dialogue that, that went along with it. I'm very yeah. curious. So the next question is doctors are, or the statement is doctors are manipulating trans medical care. And again, the conservative step forward on this one. And I think the phrasing of the question is really important. What I, the keyword that I'm looking at is manipulating. And I personally don't think that any doctor is manipulating trans care. I, I don't really understand what the benefit of doing that is. And I know that their argument is like, oh, big pharma, like they want you to spend money. They want you to be um, purchasing hormones and they want you to get surgery so that they get rich or blah, 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 whatever the, whatever the fuck they said. But I don't think, again, no one on this panel is a board certified doctor or a board certified surgeon. So I think all of their opinions regarding is something being manipulated is unfounded because I can understand that some doctors might not disclose the full side effects or the lasting circumstances of transitioning. And it, you know, you could transition and then change your mind, like detransitioners exist. And that's perfectly normal. But I don't think it's fair to say that doctors are not being or, or that they're manipulating them into transitioning. I think at the end of the day, if you want to get hormones 
you are the person that are seeking out is seeking out hormones. If you want to get surgery, you are the person that is seeking out the surgery. So at the end of the day, they're not telling you to do anything. You're not being forced to do anything. You have your own agency to do what you need to do. But I can understand that there maybe are circumstances where the doctors don't exactly disclose everything that they need to know and all of the side effects. Because for me personally, like I knew that by starting hormones that I was going to put my ability to have biological children in jeopardy in the future. Like I knew that. And I knew that there were what the possibility that I have an increased rate of getting a blood clot. Like I knew that too. Some people don't. And I think that every doctor, it's their right to share those things because those are life altering things and serious things that could happen in the future. But I don't think that's manipulative. I think that it's a failure to disclose everything, but I don't think they're manipulating the system into trying to make people transition for whatever reason they think. Yeah, I think trans medical care in in general, I think it's pretty thorough. Um, And this is anecdotal. (laughs) So my experience um, has always been extremely, extremely careful with any care that I've received. It's always been ensuring that I'm aware of the consequences um, based on my personal research, but also what the doctor has informed me of. And every doctor appointment I've gone to, literally um, I'm being seen at Planned Parenthood or was being seen before the Florida uh, bandit. I was being seen at Planned Parenthood every single time I spoke with the doctor, the list of everything that, um, all the things that, you know, all the side effects that could occur, both negative and positive, um, are always listed to me. And I think that's the general case scenario for a lot of, you know, trans medical care. Um, all these like major medical associations agree that trans medical care is like life-saving care. So I don't think there's this manipulation, uh, within, uh, doctors doing something to because they want more, like, what's the purpose of wanting more trans people to exist? To me, it just seems purpose, like less, like purpose less. I don't know. It doesn't, there's, there's no like end game. Like the idea that there's this like boogeyman that wants everyone to be trans, like it doesn't make sense. And I think a lot of these like conspiracy theories, a lot of these, these conversations that people have, if you just take a step, step back and really like try and just like, who is this all for? Like, what is, that where is this conversation stemming from? You can really, really rationalize like, oh, this isn't a deal. This isn't a big deal. This isn't happening. Like trans care is life-saving care and doctors are doing what is recommended by the majority of medical associations. So, yeah. Yeah. And the conversation for the most part, what they talked about was that um, a lot of the conservative people knew others who had detransitioned or they had gotten top surgery at a super young age and later decided to detransition. And now they are left with, um, you know, a flat chest that they are no longer able to regain or they had bottom surgery. So now they are left with a set of genitalia that they no longer identify with, or they had health complications with the surgery that they had as well. And I think that, again, that it's valid. Like I, I, I don't exactly know a lot about what it means to detransition or 
all of the hardships that they experience. But I think it goes back to previous conversations, like in regards to a minor getting top surgery. Again, should that minor have gotten top surgery in the first place? And it can go back to maybe they weren't told what the side effects could be or how serious it was. And at that time, the doctor or the parents had decided that that was best for the child. And unfortunately, that didn't end up being the case a few years later. But I don't think that is a strong enough position to say that doctors are manipulating anything. Again, at this time, this person chose that this particular procedure was going to help me. And if it didn't, it, later on down the line, I don't think it's fair always to blame the doctors because, again, we decided upon ourselves that that's something that we needed to do. And like for me personally, I have brought up bottom surgery to my doctor multiple times and I am automatically informed of all of the potential complications of that. And I think that a, a tendency that conservatives have to say, especially regarding bottom surgery for trans women, is that like it's just an open wound. Like you have to dilate every single day. You have to put something up there. Otherwise it's going to close. And it's just, it's not even a real vagina, just the hole in your body. And like the doctors tell you that you have to dilate for the rest of your life or like have sexual intercourse in place of like, we know that like, I know I don't have a full functioning vagina with like a vulva and fallopian. Like, obviously like we know it's, not fucking real or like I guess in terms of biology like I can't reproduce from it but like that's not new like that's nothing that's new I don't think it's misleading for a doctor to say that and Lemon will agree with me that at the end of the day you can do whatever you want with your body and again like I know that there are some instances where doctors don't really say everything that they need to say but that's not manipulation that's just a failure upon that particular practitioner to look out in the best interest for their patients. And that can be for anything. It doesn't even have to be trans-related. Like we hear stories about people getting medical care that they didn't know side effects to all the time, not even related to just trans things. So I think at that point, that's an issue with the doctor and not necessarily with the medical field as a whole. Yeah. Um, I agree and Lemon agrees. I have, we have a special guest here because she won't stop crying. She needs love. But um, yeah, so I also think it's important to say that um, when you think of the transitioners, a lot of people love to shine light on like, oh, like these people regretted getting their surgeries or detransitioning. And it is really sad. And I know that it's a really hard process. You know, I, I can only imagine um, dealing with that. But I also want to highlight the fact that the... That's a, that's a really small minority of people that get surgeries and a really small minority of people who detransition. The majority of people that decide to detransition due to societal reasons. And, um, you know, I can talk about that all day and like um, all day long, but I think it's important to recognize that like, you know, there are regret and, um, and every form of surgery, I think in general surgery, um, has like, I think, I, I don't I don't remember what the regret rate is for just general surgery. Like even like knee surgery has like this crazy high regret rate. So it occurs, it happens and it's going to happen. 
um, it's gonna there's gonna be people that maybe change their mind or realize that afterwards like they're more uncomfortable or whatever or maybe they have complications like that's going to occur but it doesn't mean the majority of people who are happy who need it who want it for for themselves to save their life who are being constantly informed with all the side effects all the potential risks why should they you know why should that conversation of those transitioners be the reason why the majority of people who need it are going to struggle to receive that care now. So like it, to me, it just doesn't seem like fair, but yeah. Um, I think that sort of kind of blended into like the last question. I know that we're like, we're, we're running um, low on time. So I guess we can kind of go through this last question really quickly if you want, Um, or we can say the last question for next I think they were related to each other. The last question was, um, do you think that transitioning is suicide prevention? And I just want to say for none of these questions, both sides step forward. Like it was all either one side or the other. So for this question, all of the liberals step forward. And I guess to quickly sum up my view, I think that it is because it has helped a lot of people. We know the suicide rates are really high amongst trans people, especially trans youth. But I also don't think it's the end all be all to everyone's problems. I think that just because you start your transition doesn't necessarily mean that all of your problems are going to go away and they could very well continue. But I do think that it does so much in terms of helping people be more comfortable in their body, which does prevent suicide at the end of the day. Yeah. And fully agree. I think it helps me Um, go through a lot of mental issues that I dealt with growing up, just being unable to transition, unable to really be myself. I kind of reached that boiling point um, right before my transition where I I needed to do something or I knew that I would no longer be here. And so I'm a constant advocate for ensuring that, you know, people who are trans uh, get the care that they need because, yeah, I think it is very much suicide prevention. And we have the statistics to support that. So yeah, it's not like that based on feelings, you know, we have the statistics. <laughs> so yeah, I'm happy we were able to do this. I, I feel mm-hmm. like that was, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy. I feel like we were able to articulate a lot of questions. I think a lot of our viewers even like ask us a lot, like, what do you think about this? Or what do you think about that? And I'm happy we we're able to just kind of put our own opinions on there, but also kind of debunk maybe some things that we disagreed with or sort of the overall conversation in general. Yeah. And I think we're both pretty set in our beliefs. Like it's going to take a lot for either of us to change. And I think, I mean, we agreed with pretty much everything. So I think it's important to have a conversation like this because we also were able to point out things that we didn't really agree with from people that are still on our same side or commonalities between conservatives as well, because it's not possible to find some sort of like a middle ground between the two. But again, it just goes back to how we're able to communicate with each other. And I think it went off the rails at certain points because there are people on both sides that just weren't able to articulate their thoughts without attacking someone else. Yeah, I agree. Um, So I guess with that being said, I want to wrap up with one little thing. And then we can wrap up. Yeah. I, I just recalled this. And this will be the last thing we'll, we'll, we'll like leave off on. But during the bathroom part, Blair White brings up how she recorded a video one time where she went into the, the men's restroom to see how 
they would respond to her being in the men's restroom. And if you're talking about creeps in restrooms, why are you filming in the men's, why are you filming in the bathroom? And she wants to talk about weird trans people. Like, honey, why are you filming in the bathroom? Like, you're the problem. And yeah, like, you could say it's for, like, research or, like, just to see what they would say. But (laughs) it's kind of creepy. I mean, if you're going to talk about creepiness, who goes into a bathroom and records people that are in there? That's I didn't even catch it. Like, Emily caught it. And I was like, wait, yeah, like, why would, what... Did you just admit to doing a crime? But, so um, secretly, yeah. actually, Blair is the catalyst for this whole debate. Like, she is the one trans person that started it because she went in there and she started reporting people. <laughs> now they think no, that literally. we're all freaks. All right. So we just interpret that. But yeah, I'm very happy we were able to have this. And I'm also happy that we're together again doing this. Yeah. I and obviously, like it's, it's we've been, been a... gone for a very long time. Which we, we don't talk about it. We don't need to we talk about it. Um, but we wanted to like actually talk about this video because it ha- it was released a week ago, and we are a little notorious for being a little behind the curve. Like we still talk about everything that happens, but sometimes it's late. But <laughs> we're like on the ball for this one, so we wanted to just talk about it while it was relevant, and just see how everyone else thought as well. Yeah, I'm excited to put it up. I'm, I want to know what other people's thoughts are. So if you have any opinions, if you disagree with anything we said, we'd love to hear. But like you said, I think we're pretty set in our beliefs. Um, and yeah, I think in the end, I, I just want everyone you know, to be able to live life in the way that they truly feel that would make them happy. And so Agreed. yeah, everyone just spread happiness. Spread happiness and love and let people do what they want with their own bodies because it's none of your business. So yeah. All (laughs) All right. So with that being said, thanks for listening. Bye.